You know what I love about this sound is actually you. Everyone in it has got this massive soul. We're local people, and that's what we care about. Hello everyone, welcome along to another season of the Luton Town Supporters Trust podcast, the longest Luton running podcast out on the internet today. I'm Kev, your host as always, and I'm joined by uh, the Lutonian journalist James Cunliffe, who has been along for the ride for all seven seasons, and Dan Barrett-Davis, who was with us last season and he's glory hunting his way to the Premier League as well. Uh, this uh, podcast, very much in keeping with James Shea, Dan Potts, and Luke Berry come from League Two all the way to the Premier League. And, uh, well, James, it's been some journey and, uh, well, the pinnacle of the journey is about to begin. Hasn't it just, yeah. Um, it's, it's some stat, that, isn't it? The only football podcast, one club football podcast to go from League Two to the Premier League. Big three lads. Um, so I'm delighted about that. Uh, and, yeah, we've got some good things to come in store as well for this season. So. Uh, keep an eye out for all that sort of stuff we've been planning in the background but it all builds to that Brighton game and the first first game in the Premier League things I've never thought I'd ever hear myself say uh, when we started this podcast and well, the journey we've been on as looting people so uh, what a time to be alive Absolutely um, the squad hasn't changed in terms of our squad for this season but one thing that is going to change is we are going to be with you a lot more regularly throughout the course of the Premier League season. We will bring you pre-match podcasts. We'll bring you match review podcasts. There may even be the opportunity for us to bring you immediate post-match reaction podcasts as well. So keep uh, keep your ears peeled, subscribe, like, and everything else to give you notifications of the podcast for this season. As I say, they will be a lot more regular. We've taken on board all of your feedback from the last season. And we're implementing it uh, in the seasons to come. This first podcast is a preview of the season ahead. And Dan, uh, mm. 31 years since we've been in the top flight. If you read any previews out there, it will be 31 and done. But this is Luton Town and we don't follow scripts like that. No, we don't. We enjoy not following the script as well. I think we've we've sort of upset the odds all the way from the conference all the way up to today. Um, and all the previews you'll read will say Luton will get the lowest points total and you know they've got a K&L's chance there's, there's small fish in a giant pond and uh, I say to anybody listening to this screenshot a lot of it and in May we'll see where we're at um, because Luton just we love upsetting the odds we love upsetting people and we're pretty good at it <laughs> we uh, are indeed uh... Let's get stuck in then to what's happened since we were last here as a podcast. Uh, we'll start off with the transfers. It's fitting that we start off with the transfers, James, because, uh, well, a bombshell got dropped today, didn't it? Uh, we're recording this on the Wednesday, the day that Luton Town announced the signing, and I still can't believe I'm saying this, I've got to be honest with you, announced the signing of England international midfielder Ross Barkley on a free transfer. Um when we started this podcast, I mean, if I'd said to you we were going to sign Ross Barkley at any time in our lifetimes, you'd have probably laughed me out of town. But it just goes to show that A, where we're at, and B, we're not here to be making up no numbers. We mean business. 
Yeah, I'm still only taking the news in today. I mean, it was only literally a couple of hours ago before we pressed record on this podcast. And I, I've been on a beach all day. It's been, it's been about the only sunny day uh, for the whole of the summer. I've got a bit of sunburn. <laughs> and when that came across on my phone, I thought I might have had a sunstroke because <laughs> these sort of things just uh, don't happen. I was like, oh, what the hell is going on? Mm-hmm. Sparkly. Um but no, yeah, that's that's where we are now. That's the league we're in. These are the names we're dealing with. And um, yeah, we have to get used to it. It's not a bad thing. And um, uh, yeah, it, I mean, it, it'd be, it would have been lovely if we could have got him in earlier in the season and he could be integrated in the pre-season. But, you know, he's a, a seasoned pro at like football. If it isn't in England, he's been playing it in France and stuff. And uh I, I like it. The more I think about him, and I've only had a couple of hours to sort of analyse it, really, and think about it in my own head. So many of the, the signings fit the bill that we we already know about, obviously, but the rest of the Premier League don't haven't really cottoned on to yet, or, or think it's not the right way to go about turning up to the Premier League. Uh, you should be splashing like millions and millions of pounds or doing a Nottingham Forest or something like that. But Luton's transfer model is a sound one. We've seen that over the seasons, but they they find either young, hungry players or players that have got a point to prove. And Ross Barkley is one of those players. But I feel that a lot of people would be writing him off. They'd probably write him off when he went to Nice in France last season. And obviously, he hasn't been near the England South for a little while as well. So, when that happens, people think that they're a busted flush. But I think that there there could be something in this. And um, you know, if, if you can if you can reach the levels that it was when playing at Everton, um, then obviously we'll get a great Ross Barkley and a great Premier League midfielder. And he's also experienced as well. And he's twenty nine years old, so he's in he's in his peak years. Um, should be in his peak years and if Luke can get back there back to where he thought he might be when perhaps he was leaving for, for the big money world of Chelsea then um, yeah, what, a, what a player but uh, yeah it's, it's right I do have sunburn but I don't have sunstroke and we do have Ross Barkley yeah no it is actually it's almost as unbelievable as the fact that we're embarking on a Premier League campaign but that is the case I mean Dan there is there's kind of two Ross Barkleys isn't there there's the Everton Ross Barkley and the Ross Barkley since then who for whatever reason, hasn't really kind of kicked on. But we are genuinely talking about probably one of the best central midfielders this country's produced in the last 10 years when he's at his best. Now, if even 75% of that particular Ross Barkley comes to play this season, you know, he is going to be a major asset for this football club. And, And you've almost, I mean, he said it himself in his interview, he's basically, if I paraphrase him, wasted three or four seasons messing around in the lower uh, lower parts of Chelsea and off out to France last year, which he said didn't suit his game. But if he's anywhere close to that Everton form, I mean, we have a serious, serious signing. Exactly. And I think um, looking at the amount of midfielders we have, you, you wouldn't have thought that we, that area needed strengthening. But, uh, I mean... <laughs> Goes without saying, like you, like you just said, if, if we can get him back to half as good as what we know he can be, we've got out of a player. Um, uh, yes, he has fell by the wayside the last couple of seasons, but it's, it's easy to do that at Chelsea because they fell by the wayside by their own standards, haven't they? And 
they need a complete reboot and reset. Um, and yeah, you know, it's it, it's an ideal time for him to come in because the, the, the old saying, "There's no time like the present." But you know, he is. You know, he, when he was younger, he was touted as one of the best players that he'd ever seen. Um, he's been described here as. Uh, I think Roberto Martinez described him as a mix of Paul Gascoigne and Michael Balak. I mean, that's some claim uh, from somebody who saw him day in, day out, and that's when he was a youngster. And, you know, if we can get half of that into him, then we've got ourselves a hell of a player there, you know. And it, it'll be the difference between staying up and, you know, being in a real dogfight. So I'm, I'm really excited by it. If we can get him to half as good as what he is, we have a hell of a footballer on our hands. We really do. I'm excited by it. More I think about it. <laughs> yeah, me too. Brilliant. We are talking about a genuine, at his best, genuine world-class footballer who's played at the very top levels, Champions League, internationals, you name it, he's played there and, um, well, maybe he's come to take us there. Who knows? Um, James, a lot of ins and outs this season and I've got to be honest with you, so many of them that I've forgotten the order that they came in. So we'll go from back to front as we go through these signings. And we'll start with the one that was probably most needed of all of them, given that Ethan Orvath is a thing of the past. And that's the goalkeeper, of which we went and raided Blackburn for Belgium international Thomas Kaminski. Came in last week, uh, played the first game in Germany. Immediately, I like the guy because he's not rooted to his goal line. I do like the goalkeeper that comes off his goal line and, he, and he's very much that. Looks quite composed, looks good, very, very good distribution. And generally, an all-round keeper, perhaps the keeper that we've been looking for, dare I say it, since Mark Tyler left. That's a good shout. I mean, he's any, any good as uh, Mike Tyler was, but in the Premier League, then, yeah, what, what a sign. It's been a bit of a saga, isn't it, this summer, uh, for goalkeepers. And, um, I was not really that excited by some of the names that were getting touted about by Begovic, um, He's got a broken back after the weekend. Yeah, with Azzy. Um, it's different, isn't it? Because keepers play it a little bit longer than outfield players and a bit of experience and he's got 37, so maybe he could have done a job. That just didn't really excite me. Uh, I think he's probably wasted, like like Ross, Ross Bartley said, probably wasted a couple of years of his, his career in the last few years. Um, and he seems to want to continue doing that at QPR. So good, good luck to him. Um, you know the Tom Heaton one. He's, he's touted as a good goalie, but he doesn't play luck. So I don't know whether that's a, a, a good thing. Um, and then you get to Kaminsky's first choice for Blackburn Rovers, and uh, you know I've been impressed with him when I've seen him, um, and he's a. International player, he's thirty year old as well, so younger than the other two, and therefore he's got some experience. Um, yeah, the Premier League might be new to him, but uh, it's one of these. I mean, you, we, we we're going to say this probably a lot throughout talking about every single player that Luton have signed, but it's just a bit of shrewd bit of business, really. It is, yeah, decent price as well. Uh, Dan rumored to be two point five million. Mm. Um, can't argue for that, whether he's first choice or another one's going to come in. Uh, Not so even breaking the transfer track. record, eh? Yeah. No. Well, he would have done. Isn't that mental how we started talking about transfers, actually? And nobody seems to bat a bloody eyelid that Luton have... It took 30, 
years for them to break the transfer record with Sluga. And then in one summer, three times. And now we're yeah. just signing players for millions of pounds. You're like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, it's not. We can't go back to an island. It's a different world. We're, we're, not, we're not in Kansas anymore, Tose. No, it's very, it's very much, very much a different world. Um, yeah, I mean, Kaminsky would have been our record signing if the order had been how I was doing it here, back to front. But, um, but you know, he's, he's, as I say, two and a half million international goalkeeper, 30 years old. I mean, they say keepers come to their prime in their 30s, don't they? So mm. it does look a shrewd bit of business. Yeah, definitely. Um, and looking at his career as well, you know, he's, he's always played in the top leagues, apart from his spell with Blackburn. Um, which, you know, you'd probably argue the championship might be on a par with those those leagues that he's played in, like in, in Belgium, with all greatest respects to Belgium. Um, but, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a good sign. And like you say, he's 30 years old. He's decent. He's, he's I think, he's backup goalkeeper in Belgium. Um, you know, he's played in the Champions League, Europa League. He's got that experience at the top level. Um, I haven't seen anything of him recently um, I certainly don't remember playing Blackburn last year too much apart from Reese but going through the whole team and then smacking one in from distance as well. yeah literally nobody's stopping that, about though. 30 yards or something yeah um, he, he might have been in goal then but you know we can all make mistakes can't we um, <laughs> but no I, I think it'd be a good good sign in and like James said you know it's better than some of the names that have been touted around Um like for goalkeepers that have, that have sat their ass for the last four years, you want somebody who's been playing, um, you know, he's sort of in, in the momentum of having a run of games and stuff. And he, I, I think for me, he fits the bill perfectly. He's, he's was he, six foot three, 30 years old. Yeah, you can't, I, I think it's a good signing. It's a good signing and it'll push the other two, I'm sure, all the way. Yep, looked a good signing in Germany uh, over the weekend, as I say, particularly when you consider he'd only had a training session or two with his teammates at the time. Three defenders have come into the club um, in the summer, James. Uh, well, if you call the wing-backs defenders, some do, some don't these days, don't they? Yeah. Uh, Max Anderson was the first one. Um, very good centre-half from Barnsley. And then we've seriously brought some quality in in the wing-back areas with Issa Kabore. And Ryan Giles, who was one of these standout players in the championship last season. Yeah, I mean, the Ryan Giles one, uh, I think is impressive. I know they've had to spend a lot of money. And I know all these fees are undisclosed in it, but I think we're, we're fairly certain that he's Luton's current record transfer at around about five. Um, and you, you have to pay the money to to, to get him um, from Wolves, particularly when Middlesbrough also wanted him and at one point I thought they, they had him but his deliveries are fantastic you only have to really see the highlights clip from Germany when he fired one in fact um, Elijah Adebayo even though the goal wasn't, was ruled out offside it was a, not offside it was ruled out sorry um, one hell of a delivery from deep whipping in that is going to be so key I think um, and uh, it's a Kabore, you can't argue a player that's been playing in Marseille um, in the Champions League uh, in the last season. And obviously Manchester City fancy him because they've tied him down to a long-term deal otherwise. Season long loan, obviously, but at Luton. But there's, uh, uh, you know, I've always 
been sensing that Luton have been trying to get back to the uh, the way that they played. Different manager, obviously, but the way that they played with Justin, Stacey and Igman was so effective. Um, and they, they, they sort of started to move towards that last season as well. And they've just strengthened in those areas I think are going to be so key. Um, so I think they're really fantastic signings. Um, similar to all of them, really. They've got either they're young and hungry, like Giles has come up through Wolves and didn't really hasn't really had a Premier League go. Isukabore has to find out alone because he's not going to get in the Manchester City side. Doesn't mean he's not a good player, but he'll want to prove something to them. And um, you know, you've got Mads Anderson in the in centre half position who you know it's, it's well documented that he said he, he targeted the Premier League when he came over from Belgium, uh, Denmark, sorry. And and that's that's where he's got to you know. So um it's a uh, I'm, I'm happy with all three of those really. I I guess people will look at Mads Anderson and say, Well, you've got a long way to jump up, but Luton are already full of players that have made the step up. So why not? Yeah, indeed. And with Mads Anderson, he was replacing Sonny Bradley, who probably got to the end of the line with us anyway last season. So he only really needs to be an upgrade on him to, uh, to carry us forward. Uh, yeah, he was captain as well. He was captain of Barnsley as well. So you, you're replacing like for like in the leadership states as well, with Sonny going out and Mads coming in. So Yeah, um, and yeah, I think they good. They chased him for a while as well. Oh, well, he played for Barnsley, of course, they chased him for a while. Um, but, uh, yeah, finally they've got their man. I mean, three pretty exciting signings in terms of defensive players there, Dan. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think we did, you know, I think we've been after a centre-half since Cal Naismith left last summer. Um, uh, obviously, converting Amari Bell to a centre-half was a very shrewd move in the end. Um he he will tell you that he prefers playing the wing back position, but everyone else has seen him would would say he's much better at centre half. He's just tucked to that like a doctor water. But we still did need those positions. I mean, obviously you've got Fred on your dim has gone out on loan um to make way for I suppose Ryan Giles coming in and I saw Giles at, at Wolves last week and what a left foot he's got. I thought Alfie Doughty had a brilliant cross on him. For anybody who hasn't seen Giles yet, you wait. You wait, you're going to get a hell of a player there. Um, he's young, he's hungry, and it, it fits into the mould of somebody wanting to prove a point as well. Um, because he's been at Wolves his whole career, had to go out on loan, had to go through the divisions. Um, like you said earlier, one of the standout players in the Championship at Middlesbrough. Um, I know from his time at Coventry that he was very well respected here and very well liked. And and you can see there's a hell of a footballer in there. Um, Kabore, don't admittedly don't know much about him, but if he's coming from Man City, he's not going to be rubbish. Um, and having seen, uh, I think I saw about an hour of him at Wolves last week, he looks decent. He does look decent. You know, he gets up and down uh, well. You know, he, he puts the crossing in, even though they focus most of the play on the left-hand side, which might be what they want to do. Um but yeah, yeah, I was quite impressed with him and, and Anderson. Actually, I was I was really impressed with him. He just looked so assured and so uh, comfortable. Um, considering, you know, he, he was only playing League One last year and Championship the year before. You know, he 
he, he took to fitting into the team. I think him and Lockie have built up quite an understanding quite quite quick on and he quite fast and they were you know, they seem to really understand each other. He's he's had, I think, most of the pre season to settle in as well. And I, I think he'll be he'll be a really key player this year. Definitely. Yeah. I think we look we look stronger at that in those in those positions now. Yeah, we really do. Uh, certainly depth in those positions as well. And James, another place where there's depth is the centre of midfield. It's not just Ross Barkley that's come along there. Obviously, we were all absolutely delighted when the announcement of Marvellous and the Cambers uh, permanent signing took place. And um, and along with him, he's not the only one who's come from the Midlands. Uh, Tahith Chong has also come along. And if you were at that game where Burnley, oh, sorry, Birmingham absolutely ripped us to shreds, you'll have seen a masterclass from him. And if we get some some of those performances out of him, we've definitely got a player. I was at that game and he was unbelievable. It was rare that you see an opposition player get clapped off. I think was it was the best opposition performance I've ever seen against us. Yeah, uh, yeah, I probably couldn't argue with that, to be honest. He was unbelievable, involved in everything. and Just the speeds off the mark speed you know that one yard pace that gets you past somebody willingness to dribble with the ball and eye for a pass um, and absolutely bloody fantastic hair as well so <laughs> it's um, it's like uh, I'm not just saying this because of the hair but it's like <laughs> when Izzy Brown came in if Izzy Brown wasn't made of glass uh, then he was a hell of a player when he had the ball at his feet and um, this guy can be the the Premier League version. Yeah, uh, he is absolute quality. He's shown the, he's already shown the quality in the pre-season games. Uh, the one thing is, though, he is going to be similar to Jack Grealish. His ankles are going to get targeted big time. He yeah, does need to be a little bit careful with that. But hey, I mean that's part of the uh, part of the game he plays. Uh, Chong, brilliant signing. Dan was our club record signing at the time. Obviously, as James alluded to, we think that's been broken by Giles, but uh, one attacking midfielder in Chong and the standout defensive midfielder in the championship last season in the Camber. Absolutely superb recruitment once again. Fantastic. I, t- I, I don't mind admitting this to you. Like, I was doing the tequila dance for about three hours in my kitchen on the day we signed him. I was <laughs> dancing around like a prat. I was dancing around at work for the, like, for the following, I think the next week. Um, Never as a player made such an impact on me as he did, and it, it didn't even do anything magnificent either. He, he just, he just like, it just made everything look simple. You, you see a lot of holding midfielders. Like, do you remember Jonathan Smith and Nathan Doyle and that? They they did a lot of donkey work that went unnoticed. Nakamba made you notice all this donkey work, but he made it look so bloody simple. It was unreal, and you know he looked so comfortable. He played with a smile on his face. And he just did the job really, really well. And nothing went through him. And it's, it's unreal. And to get him back at Luton, I mean, we obviously made it, it's got an impact on him as he did on us. And it's a match made in heaven. It really is. You know, and it, it, his experience would be so vital this season. Really well. It's just, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I'm still smiling now. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, was, I knew <laughs> I knew that he was coming back from... Uh, we'd done some fundraising for his foundation through the summer and I kept up with him a few yeah. times. And uh, he assured me that all was well and everything would be good and he would be back here. So, uh, and he was true to his word. He uh, 
he is back. He's back where he belongs. Uh, Three-year deal, and we're all delighted with that. Um, that leaves one other signing, James. I've kind of left him to a last because I'm not really sure where he's going to play this season. But that's uh, the first one who came in, Chidozi Ogbeni from Rotherham. Very, very highly thought of by Rob Edwards in particular. I know he formed his game plan for Rotherham away late last season around him. Can kind of fill in at right wing back, but based on the friendlies I've seen him in, he's likely to be some sort of second forward of some kind. Uh, he's very much a Luton Town signing, though. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely fits into the um, the hungry mode, young hungry, but it's a different it's a different flavour of that um ethos, isn't it? Because he's already a Republic of Ireland international. And you know, anyone that was scoffing earlier in the summer about oh Luton are signing players from Rotterdam, they're never gonna last in the Premier League, that sort of thing. They weren't looking at what he'd done in a in an island shirt and he played some top class opposition in that shirt. One of them was France and he was talked of very highly in that match. So um, you know, bar bar a crazy final, France would have been the World Cup, uh, World Cup holders. They're no mugs, and if you can stand out against them, you've got half a shout, haven't you? So, um, but he's quick. He's quick as well, and that, that's that's what is going to be needed. Um, yeah, it's be interesting to find out how he does play. I, I'd, I'd rather see him play further forward than the wing back positions I think the ones that we talked about so far we've got those positions sorted not only with specialists but with depth if needed so yeah they, they probably need some more uh, firepower um, which is crazy to say because we know how good Elijah and Carlton Morris are but and by all accounts that you know as we talk today we might get might be getting the uh, the lad from Stoke as well so uh that could be good as well. That could be a good addition. Um, like like Benny, a, a very Luton kind of signing. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah, I, I was I was quite pleased with that when he came in there in the summer. To be honest, was, uh, to get the ball rolling in the transfer window, I think it was a good good move. Mm. Yep, yeah, does look like a good signing. And uh, the well, they're not new signings, Dan, but for. Players extended their contracts since we've last been uh, together for a podcast. Amari Bell, um, Luke Berry, Kelly Rudder-Kampanzu, and everyone's really grateful that Tom Lockyer is okay and able to continue his Luton career. And as I say, they're not new signings, but they're four influential and important characters. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, I, I suppose a lot of these armchair Premier League fans won't have heard of them before, so... That, but they're going to hear of them because these guys work really, really hard for the team, don't they? And I think, you know, it's, it's important when you go up. It, it, it's, it's hard enough keeping hold of your best players, but to get them to sign new contracts as well, it, it's it's reassuring for supporters and it just shows the ambition of the club where they want to go as well, you know, and you, you need to keep the core of your team in there. So to get, I mean, especially Lockyer, he was so important last season. He, he, he was unreal, played out of his skin. Um, Barry might have surprised a few people. I didn't know whether he was going to get moved on or not, but um, Edward seems to like him despite not using him too much last season. But Barry's one of them impact players that can come on and make a difference. You just can almost see a goal in him every time. Uh, I don't need to wax lyric, 
lyrical with Pelly because he's just everyone knows how good he is, and, and it was important that he signed as well. And you know, you got Reese Burke and Lockyer at the back. You know, if we can get more than a couple of games out of Burke without his legs snapping, that'd be great because he's he's a top top defender. So yeah, it, and Bell as well. You know, he's you know he he just consistently good. Him and Lockyer are consistently good. You, you always get eights, seven and eights out of ten out of them every week. And you need those people. You know, and we're going to need them even more this season. So it's, it's really good news. Really good news. Yep. All in all, an excellent summer so far. And of course, as is always the case, it's still the best part of four weeks of the transfer window remaining. Plenty of time, as James has alluded to, for more players to come in. Jacob Brown, the latest rumour of those. Uh, but realistically, James, goalkeeper, uh, maybe another defender and striker and we're done. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah, they've got to get some players out. I think that's been documented as well, the players that will probably leave, which is um, you know, disappointing for them. They pretty much alluded to who that is today, haven't they? They've announced the squad numbers and there's no squad yeah. number for Luke Freeman, no squad number for Glenn Ray, uh, Admiral Musquey and Dion Pereira. So they're basically your four. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um you know, we've talked about this many times since we started this podcast back in League Two. That um, and it was always a mantra of Nathan Jones's that sometimes players move too quick for clubs. You let them go. Sometimes the club and the team moves too quick for players. And um, you know, if Luton was still in the Championship, maybe some of those players that got loaned out last season might have a sniff. But I don't think that I don't think that's a realistic viewpoint when. Um, when you've moved up to the Premier League and you couldn't get into the Championship side, it's just you know, it's just common sense, really. How much you wanted them to do well and play well and or, or make a make a go of it. Sometimes these things just don't really work out. And or the likes of maybe Glenn Ray as well, who you know, has a horrific injury and just missed so much of the of the Championship. Really great in the lower leagues, but um, you know his his, his time's probably up as well. So. Yes, yeah, or wasn't it? There's no time for um, too much um, sitting around, not nostalgising about the about these players. You've got to move on, and that's not a word, is it? But I've made it a word. <laughs> you've got to move on, and uh, you know, in the dictionary and for the league that you're in. And, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, build build the league in. Sorry. You know, the Premier League, it's amazing. I keep saying it. Um, I still, I, I, I still don't think it's sunk in. Um, um, Luton in the Premier League. So you've got five players who've got to keep in the Premier League. Um, and unfortunately, you know, you like seeing Mendes Gomez, who was out on loan at Fleetwood last year. That's that's not the players you, you're going to be looking to. So, you know, probably right that, right that he moved on and, you know, we wish them all well and maybe they can go out and prove themselves and make a name for themselves again. Who knows down the line? But yeah, I think the, the transfer bit, the transfer business so far has been shrewd on in keeping with what Luton are all about. And um, yeah, I'm just really excited about it, really. Yeah. And of course, we uh, wish Fred Onyadimma and Joe Taylor well for the season at Rotherham and Colchester, respectively. Um, key part of the summer is always pre-season. 
Dan, we've probably mm. had a lighter preseason than what we would normally have because obviously Kenneth Road is not available for service. Uh, we play Peterborough behind closed doors, beat them 3 1. And then the real friendlies kind of started. Uh, well, I was just about to say Ipswich, but it wasn't at Ipswich, was it? It was at Colchester against Ipswich, drew that 1 1. Beat Sheffield Wednesday 2 1. Drew 0 0 with Wolves, which many people are saying is probably the one to look at. Um, maybe so. Lost 2 1 to Bochum in game one and beat the same opponent, albeit different players, 3 1. In the second game, anything that you've drawn from those friendlies in particular? Um, I mean, the only one I, I saw in any detail was Wolves away because I attended that. And I felt personally, if that's the level we've got to live up to, we'll be all right. But then a lot of things have developed in a week. They say a week's a long time in football and um, they've parted company with Lepotti gig. That's it. That is his name. And they've got uh, Gary O'Neill in. Um, I had a feeling that they they'd be struggling this year anyway. I'll speak to a Wolves fan on a daily basis at work and they seem to be, uh, they've got to level up with financial fair play, cut a long story short. Um, so they've not really signed anybody for any amount of money and they've sold all the best players for a lot of money. Um, and they looked very average. So I would say, I, I would say from that point, I mean, they with friendlies, the result, doesn't matter. It's more the performance. Whereas in the regular season, it's the other way around, isn't it? Because the results matter way more than a performance. And I thought performance was good. I thought performance was good. When I saw Matt Macy was playing, uh, <laughs> me and my mate had facing hands and we like, oh no, please God, you know, this could be a cricket score in favour of Wolves. But do you know what? He made some brilliant saves. Really brilliant saves. I mentioned earlier about Anderson having settled in and seemed to have settled in really well. Um, I thought Chong looked nice and sharp. Nakamba just slotted in as Nakamba does. Um, yeah, everybody had a good run out. It was a really good exercise, and I'm, I'm really encouraged by that. And uh, that is all I saw, I'm afraid. <laughs> so, no, no, fair enough. I've only seen but, one. Well, I say I've only seen one friendly ever. I've seen two friendly. Saw two and one. Yeah. Both, both on the same day. Yeah, I did go to Germany, albeit I did watch the stream of the um, Sheffield Wednesday game as well. So. I've um, seen a couple more. I guess the disappointing thing about pre-season, James, was what actually happened on Saturday. The injuries to Jordan Clark and Dan Potts, which Rob Edwards has confirmed, will keep them out for at least the first few weeks of the season. Yeah, it's disappointing, isn't it? Particularly when um, we're seeing that we're quite light in the defensive departments anyway. Um, and obviously Clark was so influential last season when he was on the pitch. Um, I guess I there's probably the tackle on Clark I, I, was not very friendly. Yeah, well, yeah, you could, you could well imagine, but I, I say this with some um, trepidation because it seems to prove uh, prove people wrong every season that I would have imagined that maybe Dan Potts wouldn't be like, first choice and getting in the side, but then he comes in and does that such track. an amazing job. Last, into last this season. Track. Yeah, I mean, I've, I, I mean, I've even said it to him because I, I, you know, I, the season before last, he just didn't get a sniff, and then he comes in and he's done what he's done since. Um, was virtually irregular until he got injured last season, and then came in, uh, um, in, in and in the final was so important. Obviously, scored one of the goals from from the penalty shootout, but 
um, yeah, maybe he was uh, more cl- close to the to the action now because we haven't seen Osho or Burke, which is very disappointing. Um, so yeah, that is a bit of a worry, particularly <laughs> when you say we're in the Premier League now and yeah, we've not got that many defenders to choose from. But uh, with any luck. Last season, whenever there were any injuries, whoever was in defence was just as solid as the other players that uh, had to make way through injuries. So hopefully that continues. Um, yeah. But yeah, Clark is Clark is one, isn't it? That he's obviously scored the goal at Wembley, um, and he's come. He's you know he's he's played in the non league as well, and had to come to the leagues, and he'll have to wait a bit longer to make his make his Premier League bow. But I'm sure it will be. Yeah, disappointing those two. I, I understand Osho and Burke will be back from Chelsea, so um, not too bad on that front. I'm sure they're going to get some sort of football in the weekend that we were supposed to be playing Burnley. Uh, even if it isn't that Burnley game, I don't think it's going to go completely free. So uh, in terms of behind closed door stuff or something like that, so those two should be fine for Chelsea. Um, yeah, pretty good pre-season really, like Dan said, uh, very much fitness and performance over results, but the results weren't drastically bad. Uh, good times had by all in Germany over the weekend, and hopefully that becomes a more regular thing. Uh, whilst we're flying high each season, I suppose the longer we stay in the Premier League, when we get invited into these poxy tournaments that they put on around the world anyway, aren't they? So they'll probably be taken out of our hands. Um, new season on the more than five minutes notice would be nice as well, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and Possibly a bit of notice before the flights start doubling and trebling uh, would also be nice. I, I suspect it might not be possible next summer because of the Euros, but we'll find out uh, in due course. Um, speaking of the Euros, actually, if you go back to the World Cup now, games will last an awful lot longer than 90 minutes. And that's going to be the case in the Premier League this season. If anyone watches the Championship over the weekend, and I must admit, I only caught a couple of games because uh, I was in Germany and... Um, the bars were more attractive than Sky Sports, to be fair. But I did catch a couple of And they both had double-figure uh, injury time in the second half. That is something that we're all going to have to get used to until the players realise that there is absolutely no point in time-wasting anymore and cracking on with a game of football like we all want them to. Yeah, I mean, I don't know for sure. Uh, Tony's not here to verify this, but back in the old days when football was in black and white, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure games used to just flow like exactly like that without need to add half an hour on every game. Um, it's I think this cheating element, you know, diving and all that kind of stuff. And they've tried for years to think of ways to stamp it out, and I, I think this is the only way you can do it. Just add the time on. Um, I did it. Was it Guardiola or Klopp? One of them two. It's usually one of them two whinging about whatever change comes in, they seem to be the spokesman for the top four and the big guns. And it's not fair sort of thing, brigade. Um, whinging about the the new rules, but it's, it's it's players, it's top players that do it and it's filtered down. You know, I, I don't want my son, he's only three, I don't really want my son growing up watching football and seeing all these players diving around to gain advantage and then thinking it's right. You know, I, I understand why why players do it. I've had to talk to non-football fans who hate the, who don't like the game about it and because they say, oh, they just dive around like they've been shot and trying to get them to understand that the players do it as an advantage 
uh, it sucks even more, really. And, you know, if, if this is the way we have to get rid of it and to stop people time-wasting and dicking about in the corners, which is another pet hate of mine, then so be it. You know, at the end of the day, what do you want to watch when you go into Kenilworth Road at three o'clock and on a Saturday afternoon? Do you want to watch football or do you want to watch um, divers and cheaters and everything else? You know, you, you want to watch a good, honest game of football, don't we? We do. We absolutely do. It did make me laugh, actually. Yeah. Um, the other day I saw something, Kevin De Bruyne said that the lower teams are going to time waste against Man City even more now. I'm like, come on, son, put your brain cells into the gear. They're going to time waste even less because they don't want to be defending against you lot for 150. <laughs> 90. I mean, you know, simple common sense will dictate uh, that that's the case. But, you know, it just goes to show how stupid uh, some footballers can be. James, it's not just the time operations that's going to change. Uh, captain and one other for the referees. Now, that's obviously captain and one other for Luton Town, but obviously we all know that all 11 Man United and Liverpool players can attack the referee, but supposedly it's going to be yellow cards mm-hmm. dished out for anyone else who comes along to uh, to the setup. Uh, a, do you see it happening? And B, is it a good thing? In theory, it's a good thing, isn't it? I mean, you people will always draw the comparison with rugby and that's what's allowed mm. to happen then. Um, but with rugby, you also, the, the, the top level rugby, they're mic'd up as well. So you can hear the decisions they're making and what they're talking to. So what we can't hear that. And that's, I don't see why that, I think that has to happen really. So we can understand what the referee is saying, what the officials are saying. We get parts of it. I don't know if any of you have been watching the Women's World Cup, which has been on, for, I think it's been fantastic, um, you know, when they go and do some VAR decisions and then the referee is able to speak to the whole stadium and tell them what, what's happened. I think they could probably go a little bit further than that. Maybe, uh, I would imagine maybe they're, they're thinking that it's, all these games are broadcast and they don't want players effing and jeffing on mics and stuff, but maybe this is the first step to, only the captain can come and speak to you and, and, uh, and further down the line, maybe that's an option, but it, it's, it's all aspects of refereeing decisions that people don't understand or people are confused by. I think that that could help to, to clear them up. Um, but we'll, we'll see whether they enact it really, whether they, whether they bring out the yellow cards for these things. It, you know, the the argument for it, whatever rule change it is, not just this one, the argument was always, well, it will only take the first couple of times and then two people realise they're going to get booked and sent off or whatever, and then it will change things. And yeah, I think there's probably an element of that. Um, but at the same time, it's never, you're not going to stamp it all out all the time because football's an emotive game played by 100 miles an hour by young men who uh, are very competitive. So, um, yeah, we'll see how it it sort of plays out. I wouldn't like it to take any of the passion out of the game, which a lot of decisions seem to try and do. Um, You know, we're going to see that with our first hand this season where we'll be celebrating goals because that's what we're used to. And then then we're going to have the Joe Taylor championship player final situation where we're all gone bonkers and then it's ruled out for something we didn't see and you can you can sort of see that in some of the Women's World Cup again 
because so much of it goes to VAR, they have a sort of little celebration, mini celebration, have a look around to see nothing's untoward uh, before they have a, have a good go at it. So, um, and then the other stupid rules like getting booked and taking your shirt off when you just scored a goal, ridiculous, those sorts of things. So there's a lot of passion killers uh, that come from the palace of P. Uh, I just hope that that's not one of them. But in theory, I think it could be a good thing. Yep. And the other thing they've laid out as well is goalkeepers are going to get done for dicking around at penalties, which is definitely no bad thing because they've been taking the piss for a long time. And uh, ironically, the only goalkeeper I've not seen do it was Ethan Horvath at Wembley. And I was screaming at him to start doing it, but it wasn't wasn't, uh, happening. So, yeah, that's good that they're going to get punished again if these rules are to be believed. Um, I like to see it in action before I believe it, though. Uh, okay, that's pretty much everything covered in what has happened. Let's talk about what's going to happen. And um, James, I'll come back to you. Premier League. I haven't yet read a preview that tells me Luton are finishing higher than 20th. And I've only read one or two previews that's telling me we're going to get 30 points or more. Uh, are the people out there misinformed or is that realistic? Only one way forward. There's a large dose of, yeah, there's a large dose of mis, missing, not, it's not misinformation, but misinformed people who just look at it like they'll see the story of where Luton have come from, conference of the Premier League in nine years and think that this is probably a step too far. A lot of the commentary that you hear about it, um, They'll look at the squad lists. They'll not know any of the players. Well, they'll bloody well know Ross Barkley now, won't they? But they'll, they'll probably still wheel out something like he's a busted flush. And we've already spoken about why that probably might not be the case. But they'll look at things like that. They'll look at the, the ground and, you know, Oak, Oak Road entrance is going to get so many pictures taken, people moaning about it, all thinking they're very clever and, and knew about it when they're not and we've had it for years and um, there's a lot of there's a lot of that that people tie into if you go back even further even the older heads you might even remember the last time we were in the top flight that complain about the plastic pitch and how horrible they were to play against and that sort of thing um, there's a lot that goes into loot and hate or loot and being talked down so it's hard to sort of pinpoint one thing but one thing I do think they're all missing is um, I don't think you can underestimate how well Luton have done to get where they are on virtually nothing <laughs> and they, they've they've shown within their rise through the football league that meritocracy in football is not completely dead even though we're going into a league now, which is everybody's excited, but I'm also a little bit trepidatious because it is a, it's a viper's nest it's full of you know or, or horrible oligarchs and sports washing projects. And I think that when people look at it, they they miss these things like how together the club is, how well run it is, the uh, things that go into the running of it and the day-to-day stuff but also things like we've spoken about what they look for in transfers 
there's a lot of clubs outside the Premier League that were looking at Luton with envy. And it's funny that you just go up to the next league and that they look at all that through a completely different lens. And it's virtually almost always corrupted by the superstar players on massive money and how you could never, ever compete against them. I guess we'll see. We'll see what, what can happen. But there are, you know, there are examples throughout football history. I know that the, the state of the Premier League now is a vastly different beast from the old first division, but not just Luton, the old Wimbledon, what they did and went in there and upset people. Stoke in the Premier League era, when they went in there and were the bane of Arsene Wenger's life. You don't have to play Pep Guardiola football, you know, and press the life out of anyone like like Liverpool do to, to gain a foothold. And I think if you're writing them off based on what Luton have as a stadium or who they're able to recruit, I think it's a bit short-sighted. But I say, well, I welcome it. You know, keep doing that because Luton have only been proving people wrong for the last 10 years. So why stop now? Yeah, indeed. Um, Dan, I mean, James has just said that we're going up against these global superstars and we've got to, you know, we've got to compete with them and everything else. But the realist, the, well, the reality of the situation is we only need to compete with eight or nine teams in this league. There's 10 or 11 teams that can be left to their own devices. But if we can yeah. compete with eight or nine of them and pick up 32 to 34 points in those sort of 16 to 18 games... We're going to give ourselves a good chance of staying up. I mean, you've got obviously you've got Sheffield United and Burnley who came up with us, and then you've got basket cases like you mentioned earlier, Wolves, Everton, who are under serious pressure this season because they're going into a new stadium next season. They go into that in the Championship. That's the end of them. Then you've got other fading forces like West Ham, Crystal Palace. Who knows what Brentford are going to be like without Tony? Nottingham Forest, who could be the biggest basket cases of the lot of them. Uh, Yeah, and and there's always one who just comes crashing down in a way that Chelsea did last season. So there's eight or nine teams there that we can compete with. And if we do compete successfully with them, you know, we, we can give ourselves a good chance of staying up. Definitely. And realistically, um, you've only got to finish higher than three of them. Um, you know, and... Like I said earlier, you know, we, we do like upsetting the odds because that's what we do being in Luton because everybody likes to write us off because we've got a tiny little ground where you have to go through someone's back garden to get in the ground. They seem to think the whole ground's like that. I've got news from. Um, and, you know, we we just get written off because we had a plastic pitch in the 80s. Uh, and it, a lot of this blindsidedness, I've, I've been used to this from... Uh, nearly a quarter of a century living away from Luton I've, I've had to put up with people's naive opinions about us as a town and as a football club um, you know and what I see and what they see are two completely different things I watch Luton on a regular basis they see the result on a Saturday <laughs> and I probably only pay half attention to it um, but I, I you are right yeah like I said earlier I think Wolves are Wolves are doomed. Forest are going to struggle. Palace without Saha are awful. Um, and I haven't seen any evidence to suggest they've improved. Brentford really did rely on, on Tony a lot last year. Um, Sheffield United haven't signed anybody. 
Burnley have signed loads of goalkeepers for reasons best known to themselves. Um, like you said, with Everton, they've got no money. Uh, I did hear a whisper from a very reliable source that, that they're really struggling to finish the ground off in terms of paying for it, the new ground. And that Liverpool apparently thought about buying it off of them to use it just for concerts and not football, which <laughs> I dislike Liverpool with with a passion, but I thought that was brilliant shit out of me, to be fair. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, it's going to be a, a, a bit of a mini league, like you said, for the bottom half, as it, as it, as it often is, because you've always got the top four and Spurs, um, who seem to be a league amongst themselves, you know. Um, so, yeah, you know, for, probably forget about some of the, the, the games we play against them. Although Luton, as we know, can be plucky and will give it a good go against anybody. And you just never know, do you? I I think, personally, we'll, we'll be fine this year. Excellent. I will get predictions from you both uh, shortly. Yeah. But James, I think the one thing no one's taken into account, and I've just mentioned it's, uh, for us, an 8 or 19 league, but that's probably not the case where Kenilworth Road's concerned. And obviously, anyone coming to Kenilworth Road this season has drawn the short straw because they're getting four sides of abuse rather than three. And um, that is going to be massive, isn't it? 19 home games at the Kenilworth Road. Maybe not against Sheffield United or Burnley, who've just experienced it, but against the other 17, to a lesser extent, Chelsea came down, didn't they, in a couple of seasons ago. Um, But most of the other 17 haven't been to Kenilworth Road for a long, long time. The ones that have did so in COVID. And um, they're going to get a rude awakening, particularly now there's going to be fans down the Bobberstan side as well. Yeah, that's the one thing I think people have got spot on that that is going to be such a force for Luton. I mean, Luton people know it. There has to be like it was in the semi final of the in the playoffs, or or like against Watford, like to to really make that advantage count. You have to really go hell for leather against these these teams and these clubs and these opposition supporters and make it so noisy and hostile. It's untrue. It was great for us, those atmospheres, but everybody talks about how it's horrible for them. I mean, I've just listened to Ben Foster's, one of his latest podcasts. He's actually one of the few people that are back looking to stay up. But he talked at length about Kenilworth Road and how horrible it was to play uh, as an opposition player. Um, and I hope that people can, can, can maintain that because... There's going to be defeats. We're going to be. We can have a lot more defeats than we used to in recent seasons. Well, ten seasons really. It's been such a wonderful upward trajectory that it's been success on success. But I found a very interesting comment that Rob Edwards made um, when he said, "You know, success this season could be 18 defeats, but we still stay up." That's a lot of defeats to wrap your head around and stay up for and be motivated for, but. You've got to try. That's just sort of as a plea to Luton. You've got to try and ignore those. There's going to be some harsh defeats, maybe a tonking or two. But if, like you guys said, if you've got that league of eight or nine teams where you, you want to pick up points and make it hard for people at home, that's that's probably where the the sensible thinking is. So I make people write on that. It's got to be this horrible place for everyone else to come. Got to use the got to use the advantage that we've got. 
Kenworth Road. It's not going to be there for a long time. If this is like Luton's swan song, hopefully it can it can see us into three seasons as a Premier League football uh, Kenworth Road and, and, and see us out that way. But you yeah. never know when the ride's going to stop. So just make a hell of a noise and just yeah, <laughs> make my ears burst and hairs on the back of your neck stand up at just how wonderful Kenworth Road can be and, and and that would be such a big boost for me. You're on the other side of the ground this year anyway, you'll be having to snooze over on that side, keeping the sun out of your eyes and everything else, mate. So uh, no time for... Um, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to that, to get to see the carnage. I, bet it, I had no... one of my As we've spoke about at length uh, on this podcast many times about the wonderful scenes at the last game of the season when League Two was won in Notts County, I was over the other side, so I could see the entire other side of the stadium, which was all orange, and w- did not stop singing. It was one of the best things I've ever seen in my life. So I'm really looking forward to that other side of, of things. I miss my old seat in the, the old press box, but times the times they've got to change, so yeah, it's going to be exciting. And you can go and pay homage to it when you're uh, doing your aftermatch mix zone uh, stuff down in the Nico in uh, part of the ground. Um, Rob's right. We could we could lose 18 games. In theory, we could lose 25 games if we're in the other 13 and we can still stay up. But we've taken batterings in the championship. We took two 7-0 hidings and we still live to tell the tale. And whatever happens this season, it's nowhere near as bad as where we were 10 years ago. And um, and I think that's a big thing for us. And I think that, that perspective is going to going to see us right this season. I think Gary Sweet was right at the parade when he said, stay humble and keep everything in perspective and things like that. Um, we'll finish up this episode of the podcast then with predictions. Dan, are we going to stay up and where will we finish? Yes. And as long as it's 17th or higher, I'm happy. And quote me on that when I start whinging about losing 3 0 at home to the likes of Man U and Man City and stuff. But yeah, I think I think we'll stay up. Um, we'll surprise a few a few people. I think um, certainly the whole football fraternity of experts who seem to think they know everything about Luton that have never seen is capable. Um, yeah, they're gonna they're all gonna have a nice little lesson this year. Um, I don't know exactly where we're going to finish. I just said out of the top three. At bottom three, sorry. Out of the bottom three. Well, you're right. We're going to finish out of the top three. Yeah. Out of the top three. <laughs> yeah. top three. I can pretty somewhere, much guarantee that. Somewhere between 17th and 13th, I think. That'll do. Yeah, no, you're right. Top three. A little bit of a way to go. A little bit of a way to go before we get to that level. But, um, you know. Yeah, but... But you know what? When when we lost Huddersfield in the playoffs, who'd have thought that the following year we'd we'd actually realised the dream? Do you know what I mean? It, it, it was a big ask last summer, wasn't it, to to even finish in the playoffs? So I think a lot of us would have been happy with mid-table, to be honest. So yeah. you know, and and that's that's what Luton does. You know, we surprise people, even ourselves sometimes. We do, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Jay, same questions to you. Will Luton stay up? Where do we finish? Uh, yeah, I think they will. I'm I'm hopeful for a bit more. I don't think comfortable is the right word. I don't want it to come back and bite me, but I think I think fifteenth, something like that, would would be a useful finish. It has to be some surrealism, um, and even with the first game, we'll come to that. We've got another podcast. You can hear all about that, but 
when you play when you're playing top six teams that are in Europe, they're in Europe for a reason. You know, if you can if you can take some points off them, that's great. But those are those are not the ones that you're really looking for uh, to get to get results. But I think there's so many clubs, as you've already mentioned, today as we record, Wolves have just sacked the boss and we're getting in Gary O'Neill, presumably, because he made Bournemouth finish with some level of comfort last season uh, and not get relegated. But three days before the season starts, you change the manager. That's going to be hard to come back from. It's going to be a lot of clubs like that in this division that aren't necessarily feeling the love like Luton are, or Luton have done for, for a number of years now. And those things can be quite powerful when you up in the top leagues and you're talking about fine margin and stuff like that so obviously I'll take one place above relegation and uh, a last last minute winner to get the point that we need but let's, let's be fairly optimistic and say little little less of a white knuckle ride towards the end of the season let's say that yeah absolutely fair enough uh, for the record because I know James will ask me if I don't offer my opinion I also think we'll stay up. I think there's three worse teams than us and someone will make a complete cock-up of it because they always do. Uh, so we'll finish above four teams. Not overly sure which four teams they are. Couldn't really give a toss which four teams they are. <laughs> there are four teams uh, that are below us. This is going to be an incredible ride. It's going to be fantastic. We've all come on this incredible journey to get to this stage, whether you joined the journey halfway through or whether you was with it on the demise and then joined the rise. It's been fantastic. It's what we all deserve. And uh, I suspect this season is going to be like no other. So that's it. Season seven of the Luton Town Supports Trust podcast is underway. The longest running, current running podcast to do with Luton Town that there is out there anyway. Thanks very much for listening. As I say, podcasts are coming thick and fast this season. So if you don't want to miss out, make sure you subscribe to your podcast provider so that you get notified every time we drop a new episode. Any likes, any shares, any reviews that you want to send us, we are always taking on feedback. We'll take it on board and we'll use that to improve your listening experience going forward. But until next time, thanks very much to James. Thanks to Dan and roll on Saturday. You know what I love about this town is actually you. Everyone in it has got this massive soul. We're local people.